had talked a while back about this question of Matthew 24, 36. Matthew 25, uh, 46 is this, or 24, 36 is this verse about uh, Jesus not knowing the day or the hour of his coming. So, uh, Miss Lois, do you have that? Yes. Okay, why don't you read that? No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Good. So the question is, uh, if Jesus doesn't know the day or the hour of his coming, how can he be God? How can he be what we, the technical term for that is omniscient? Mm-hmm. How can he be all-knowing? This is the... This is the question. And so this is sometimes used by some alternative religions, uh, American-born religions, such as the Watchtower Society and the uh, LDS Church, as a proof that Jesus is a created being, uh, that he's not truly God, and at least not when he's on earth. And so um, I had asked you a while back to kind of contemplate this and come up with some answers. So what are some typical answers that you've heard how this question is answered? Well, I think I've heard that in Jesus was human and divine and set that the divine nature aside so in his humanity he wouldn't have known. Right. Possible answer is that he set aside, I like how you said that Mrs. Gainey, he set aside his deity. Now, last week, you remember we talked about the kenosis theory of Philippians 2, where Jesus emptied himself, the emptying. And we, we said that there were two kind of approaches of what it means to that Jesus emptied himself. He didn't give it up. He he, it was one, the first one was Jesus minus, you know, that he... He set aside his deity. That's one approach we said. But the more historical approach is that he um, left his glory in heaven and he added humanity to his deity. And that uh, he left behind the glory of being in heaven to come to earth and to be born of a baby. So the question is, is what is being emptied there in Philippians chapter 2? So in the uh, creed that we went over last week, the Council of Chalcedon, one of the uh, important features of that, the distinction of natures is in no way abolished on account of this union, the union of two natures, his divinity and his humanity, but rather the characteristic property of each nature is preserved. Concurring in one person and one substance, one subsistence. Not as if Christ were divided or parted into two persons, but remains one, the same Son and only begotten of God. So what's critical is that when he comes together in his divinity and his humanity, you don't divide them up. You don't say like, well, this is the part of the, the divinity and this is part of the humanity or he's half human and half God or sometimes he's more human or sometimes he's more God. He's The important part uh, in uh, church history has been that he is both at the same time and that they're not divided. So this idea that uh, 
He set aside his deity, and that's why he didn't know this, the day or time of his coming, is a bit problematic because it, it kind of uh, starts entering into the area of dividing the two natures. And historically, that answer has been, um, uh, it starts to creep into an ancient heresy called Nestorianism. That sometimes Jesus set aside parts of his divinity, or he limited his divinity. Now, we can agree that this, these things are a mystery, aren't they? Scripture doesn't explicitly spell this out. And so what we have in, uh, in the church is, here's kind of the way I look at this statement in the, the Chalcedonian Creed is, these are the parameters these are the boundaries of what we ought to say about the two natures of Christ. And so we want to um, stay within that circle of orthodoxy that we've been talking about with a small O of what does it mean to be a Christian. And so this is kind of the foundation of what that means. So uh, this is establishing our boundaries. And typically how this has been understood is when you start having conversations about setting aside his deity this is known in history as an ancient heresy called Nestorianism, named after a heretic named Nestorius, um, oddly enough. Uh, so, um, but this is a very common answer that is given uh, in Protestant circles where sometimes we're not as conversant about uh, things like Chalcedonian Creed. We don't often take time to t- teach those sorts of things. We could say that he temporarily set aside his deity in this situation within his knowledge. Would he have, tempted, would he have temporarily set it aside in between the times he gave yeah. <laughs> Well, and this is, this is the very point. Yeah. The, this, this is the very point of what the Chalcedonian Creed is saying, is that this is an organic bringing together of humanity and deity, and you can't separate them, you can't divide them, you cannot... And these are, these are establishing the parameters of that. So we need a different explanation. So Melinda actually did a little, uh, she used our friendly neighborhood Google and uh, did a little bit of research. She's got, I think, a, a pretty good answer, so I'm going to have her read that. I apologize I didn't write down the website, but I may be able to find it in the future. Um, yeah, I just Googled the question, um, and I, it, it does give um, background of Romans 5.19. So since Jesus is God and he knows the time of his return, he must be obeying his father by not divulging the information. The Greek translation of the word know must be more complicated than the English word for know. It is not the son's information to give. He is not saying the time of his return because it is not his place. Yeah. And I think that that's pretty close to what Father Daniel and I talked about in in the conversation is the his, more historical way of dealing with it is that all that is in the father is in the son is what he said. This is kind of how they teach is all that is in the father is in the son and all that is in the son is in the father. So in other words, all knowledge, they, they, they know the same things because they're both God. And so it's more of a situation where the son is submitting to the father that it's not the time or place to divulge that information. It's not a super clean answer, but that's why I also had you 
consider the video that we watched. I think I played in class with my friend Mark Ritter about the extra dimensions. Did I play that in class? Oh, yes, the soup can. The soup can? Yeah, it was homework. Yeah, it was homework? Okay. So there could be a way that our own knowledge of being in this space-time universe is limiting what we can conceive of, of how that could work. But there could be, uh, when we look at things from God's perspective, other possibilities that are there.